Hello team and welcome back to the Simply Fit Podcast. Today I bring you some incredible news. I have been working on a secret project for the past three or four months now and I now can tell you that the brand new follow along workout channel is live and here. On this YouTube channel you're going to find workouts for fat loss, muscle building, improving your cardio health, flexibility, everything is going to be on there. You're going to find body weight workouts, dumbbell workouts, kettlebell and resistance bands workouts all that you can follow along with and the best part is that it's completely free they're also around 10 to 20 minutes long meaning if you're short of time you can quickly complete an effective workout or you can combine like two or three of them together and complete like a full 45 to 60 minute workout new workouts will go live on the channel every tuesday and thursday and they're going to be accompanied by an amazing backdrop which i'm sure you're all going to enjoy so if you want to find the channel just search elliot hasoon into youtube and you'll find it very easily and please subscribe it makes me very, very happy and it helps the channel grow. And feel free to tell your friends, your family, your pets, whoever you want to share this with and let's work out together. Welcome to the Simply Fit Podcast. I'm your host, Elliot Hassoun. In this podcast, I'll be looking at three key questions related to fitness, nutrition, and mindset. I will break these down into information that is easy to understand and actionable so that you can apply it to your life today. This podcast will give you all you need to improve your health and well-being once and for all. So sit back, listen, and most importantly, take action. Hello guys and welcome back. Today we are on episode four and I've got three very thought-provoking questions for you today. So I'm going to dive straight in. So Elliot, I don't feel like I can achieve balance. How do I move closer to this? So this is a great question and it comes along quite a fair bit when someone gets started on their journey because all of a sudden, you know, they had their relatively full-on life before, but all of a sudden they now have to fit in their training, their steps, their cardio, their meal prep maybe, and all that stuff takes time, right? It's going to take up at least a good six, seven, maybe even eight hours of your week, even more, especially if you're placing attention on, you know, getting extra hours of sleep, etc. So it's given that you're going to have less time at your disposal and you're probably going to start to feel like you're out of balance. You probably feel like you've got work, you've got obligations, and then you do your health and fitness stuff. This is, again, inevitable. But the first thing I like to ask people is what does balance mean to you? And what does balance even look like? Because I feel like a lot of us, we don't quite have comprehension of what balance genuinely means and I want to take the work-life balance example because this is a really really good uh, one to play off as well and it ties in quite nicely so if we look at like you know we would think that balance meant hours right we would think that we just want a proportionate like an even proportion of the amount we work versus the amount we chill or have leisure time so if we look at the weekday Right, I'm going to give you quite a heavy example here. This might not even be yourself. So let's see someone who takes has a 10-hour workday. You know, they work from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. Across a five-day week, which is for the majority of us, that's a 50 hours. You know, it seems like quite a lot. And then if we look on the weekdays, before 8 uh, a.m., let's say someone gets up at 6 
and they're, they're, so they have two hours before work and then after work they have between the hours of six and ten I am not factoring a commute or anything like that because technically that is time away from work I appreciate that you do have to factor in your commute but maybe you're working from home right now so you have six hours total outside those working hours which gives you 30 hours so if we look at our weekdays you know the proportion of work to actual life is quite small right so there's quite a gap there 50 versus 30 it's quite a significant gap but then we look at the weekends. Most of us don't work on the weekends, right? And let's say we get up at 8 a.m. And let's say we go to bed at 10. Probably people will stay up later. But that gives you 14 hours across the course of two days, which is 28 hours. If we add that to the 30 hours we have in the week, all of a sudden we now have 58 hours of chill time versus 50 hours of work time. In theory, if we look at it from a balanced perspective, we have more hours outside of work than we do in, in work. So why do we feel out of balance? And one big thing here that I want to get into before we go into the practicalities of this, the main challenge is that we are not as intentional about those 58 hours as we are the 50 we are at work. Let's look at those hours, and you might have even thought this as I said this, you know, those hours before work and after work, what are you mainly doing? You might say preparing for work, you know, and just chilling in the evening. But what are you doing with that chill in the evening? Are you scrolling through Instagram? Are you aimlessly uh, watching TV, just flicking through Netflix? Or are you doing something purposeful with that time? Like, do you have an agenda for each and every evening? And I'm not saying it has to be anything wild like socializing or meeting people or anything like that, but are you were doing anything intentional and enjoyable with your time? Or are you just kind of following the path of least resistance and just lounging on the sofa, scrolling on your phone or watching Netflix? Because that's going to create a big contrast. So I think like a lot of people have, you know, they might be working 40 hours and actually have 68 hours of chill. But because they don't fill their leisure time with anything intentional or anything that they genuinely enjoy... That's where the lack of balance comes from. It doesn't come from an hour's perspective. It actually comes from the fact that there's not enough intentionality within the time to the time that they have. And then on the weekends come around as well. Oh, you know, I'm just tired from the week. So I'm just going to lounge around. I'm going to get up late. And then, you know, you don't actually do anything with your weekends. And then you get the Monday blues. You know, you're either there at like 4 p.m. on a Sunday thinking about the next day. If you fill that time to the best possible capacity, I can guarantee that you will feel like you have more balance from a work-life balance perspective. But I want to bring it back to the topic at the moment. But also, once you establish what balance genuinely means to you, does it mean more time does it mean you know coming home and seeing your kids in the evening you know finishing at 5 p.m so you can spend some time with them does it mean weekends off because it's different for everyone right i know some people who only want to work five hours a day and i know some people who just want a weekend off or even just a day every four or five weeks so establish what it is to you then establish is it feasible at this moment in time like both from a commitment perspective, but also from logistical perspective as well, right? So let's say that you are someone who does, you know, work in an office job and you have to be there from nine to five. In fact, actually, let's give you another example. Let's say you work with people in the US and they are five, six, seven, eight hours behind you in the day. But so you want to have your evenings off. But because you work with guys in the US and you need to be on call, that might not be feasible. So you need to establish like what is going to be feasible or whether it's worth following through on, on the work that you're doing. Because if, if the pros don't weigh up the cons on that front and you really do want to have those evenings so you can spend time with your children, then it might be a case of 
finding a new role where you're not on um, a time zone that has to be on call for the US, if you see what I mean there. So it's genuinely about finding out whether it's feasible. If you are wanting three hours of chill time in your day, but you also want to exercise, spend time with your family, you want to socialize, then at this moment in time, you might have to accept that just having 30 minutes to yourself or one hour to yourself, but making that time as intentional as possible may be the best course of action moving forward. But then you have to establish like, is this just a phase in your life, right? And let's bring it back to the health and fitness idea. In reality, if in during a process, I'm going to ask more and more of you, right? I might ask you to do more cardio. I might ask you to do more training, more steps or everything like that. So during this phase of your life where you're prioritizing your health and wellness, you might just have to swing the pendulum in the other direction. You know, you might have to go through a period of imbalance, which I think is totally acceptable. And I feel like we're always striving for balance. But if we actually want to pursue anything great or special, then it's so imperative that we actually spend periods of time potentially out of balance to a degree. This might be just a phase in your life. So try and not look at this as, you know, I can't achieve balance. This is terrible. You know, I'm not enjoying this. Just think how long is my life going to be like that? Like I said, if your hours, your work hours are fixed, right? If your lifestyle is fixed in that fashion, then it might be worth readjusting your expectations. But if it's like a, a fat loss phase, for instance, in reality, we should be working you back into a sustainable place at some point where, you know, nutrition is just something that you can, is naturally embedded into your life. You might have to do three or four exercise sessions per week, and you might only have to do 45, 60 minutes, right? So if it's just a phase of your life, maybe it's just something you have to persist with for now to ensure that you get to where you want to be, and then you can rein things back in. And then that might be all you need, right? It might just be a period in your life, but it's so, so important that you establish what it means to you. Is it feasible at this moment in time? What is taking your time as well? So be ruthless about the, the time that you're wasting, right? Are you doddling between tasks? Are you wasting time on Netflix? Are you wasting time on things that don't actually serve you? And if, if I asked you, you know, what do you want to do with this balanced time? And the answer isn't one of these things that you're currently doing and you're wasting time on, then that has to be addressed, right? And, you know, maybe you're making tasks longer than they should be. Maybe you're spending time ironing your underwear and folding those into nice uh, patterns and everything. So it's all about being ruthless with the time that you have, being intentional about the time that you have, and establishing what balance truly means to you. So I hope that helped. And we will move on to the next question. I know I went a bit between work-life balance and also just general balance, but I hope that you able to take a few things away there. Number two, which is more a nutrition related question. Elliot, how do I get more protein into my day? It's funny because I tend to have the question, how do I, you know, don't go over my protein targets. I find it something that, and this is probably a good thing as well. And I'm going to show you exactly how that you will get into a position where you find yourself overeating protein versus undereating. So first and foremost, most people are not used to getting a huge amount of protein unless you're like a big meat eater and you're just like, you know, you like steak, you like eggs, you like chicken, and you are already eating those things like potentially prior to starting a, a journey like this, then it's unlikely that you'll have it, right? A lot of our traditional meals, like if I go through what traditionally I think most people eat, it's like, you know, cereal or pastry for breakfast, tons of carbohydrates, minimal protein, lunch, maybe a sandwich and, and maybe another coffee, maybe a, a snack. Again, not really that protein filled. Maybe you have some chicken in the sandwich, but it's going to be 
relatively negligible in the grand scheme of things. Then in the evening, it's generally, you know, quite a carby-based meal. Maybe it's a pasta, a rice-based meal. Generally, they tend to be quite carby, and eat potatoes, stuff like that. So typically, if you're not someone who's used to this, just appreciate that it's going to take some time. Because of these things I'm going to talk about in just a second, it's not going to be in your nature to get these protein sources in. So it's not just about getting them in. It's actually reshaping the way that your meals look compared to what they used to look like. So rather than expecting a radical transformation, right, if you started tracking your uh, macros and you're finding you're only getting like 40 grams of protein in your day at the moment, if you get up to 80, that's an improvement. If you get up to it, and then if you want to keep working on it, then 85 is the next step, 90 is the next step, etc. If you can radically change your nutrition around, which I would encourage you to do, because if you'll get, you know, you'll dive deep into what having a good amount of protein in your diet feels like, then fantastic. But if you're not familiar with it, take your time and aim for improvements rather than like a drastic overhaul. And a side note here, a lot of people will start having protein and they will be like, I am so ridiculously full. I don't think I can eat any more protein. And I always think it's a good problem to have, right? Especially if you're dieting, if you're too full, then, you know, it's better than being too hungry. But as a quick caveat here is when we eat certain foods, our body produces enzymes to break those down, right? So we have certain enzymes that break down carbs, fats, and protein. If you're not familiar with having a huge amount of protein in your diet, then is a good chance that you don't have a lot of those protease enzymes to break down the protein that comes into your body. So that takes some time. And the more you expose yourself to eating more protein, the better your body gets at digesting the protein due to the fact that it then is like, oh, okay, we're getting some protein here, which probably produce more protease enzymes. So just bear that in mind as well, is that it's not just a transition for you and your eating habits, it's also a transition for your body, but one that will pay off and you know pay huge dividends in time. So now I want to go into actual uh, techniques and strategies that I use and I would prescribe to my clients as well. So the first thing I would do is start your day with protein. It's the same as when I advise people starting a good uh, chunk of their hydration early in the morning because of however the rest of the day goes, at least you know you got some form of protein or you got, you know, you got some of your water in first thing in the morning. You set the tone for the rest of the day and I genuinely find that what you consume in the morning, you tend to crave more of as the day goes by. If I were to have just cereal or oats in the morning, I will find that I just want carbs throughout the rest of the day. However, if I eat a high protein based meal, you know, I don't feel that same craving towards carbohydrates and everything like that. And also we know how satiating and filling protein can be. So it tends to be, you know, a little bit of time before I genuinely get hungry again. Aim for that big serving of protein early in the day. It will set you up nicely from a hunger and satiety perspective. But also, if it comes to the end of the day and you've, you know, you've had to have a lower protein lunch and you have a lower protein dinner, at least you can then make it up with a shake. Know that you had your breakfast and maybe hit like 70 to 80 grams, right? So that would be number one. Second is pick your protein uh, source first and base your meal around this. And this is what I meant when I said that your relationship with creating your meals will have to change. All of a sudden, it's not about just saying, hey, I fancy pasta for dinner, you know, I, I fancy pizza for dinner. It's like, okay, what, and this is the second part, is you must learn what good protein sources are. If I ask most people who aren't aware what most they think good protein sources are, they might say, you know, they might give me a really, uh, really um, non-accurate answer, but generally it means like, oh, maybe beans, chickpeas, natural yogurt, 
um, you know, protein Weetabix or anything that says protein in the label. And in reality, the majority of those aren't good protein sources. So to pick your protein first source first and to understand how you should create your meals, you must learn what has a good amount of protein in. And if you're not a vegan or vegetarian, your life is a lot easier because you're just looking at poultry, you're looking at fish, you're looking at beef, you're looking at egg slash egg whites and uh, I think I already said fish but the, yeah you, uh, dairy products you've got plenty of options right if you are vegan or vegetarian then you're probably looking more at like your meat substitutes tofu um, beans chickpeas etc those things I said but I'm also going to go into the reason why you have to be more careful if you are vegan slash vegetarian and what will be good here is just to then find a few sources that you really like. Like for me, my first meal, and this I don't even really pick this anymore, my first meal is always based around eggs, always. I like having eggs in the morning, I know that there's protein there. Um, lunch tends to be the same, or it's gonna be a similar um, type of meal, or potentially a different protein source like chicken. Then in the evening, for me, it's just gonna be some form of meat, right? That's, that's just the way it goes, and it's super easy. And then I work the rest of the food around it. Then I pick my carbohydrate source. Then I pick my um, vegetables that I'll have. As opposed to saying, I want pasta, it's like, okay, I'm having chicken. Okay, I can have chicken and pasta. Maybe I'll do a chicken and mushroom pasta, or something like that. I want pizza, okay, maybe I'll have half a pizza, but what also what I'm gonna do is put a chicken breast on the side so I can hit my protein goals. Or I'm even gonna cut up that chicken breast and put it on the top of my pizza. You know, simple things like that. And I would also go into creating combos. So this is another tip. So traditionally you might think, oh, eggs, they're a great source of protein. But actually if you get two, you're only looking about you know, 13, 14, 15 grams of protein, which isn't a huge amount. I don't wanna go into the exact re recommendations and requirements of how much protein you should have per meal, but we do want to be looking to, you know, at least have 20 to 30 grams per protein serving, ideally. Then we want a good serving of protein when we do have it, right? So if we're just having eggs, we might not actually hit that amount that we want to aim for. So that's when eggs turns into egg whites or a combination. For instance, myself, in the morning, I usually have about 200 milliliters of egg whites. I do them in the cartons. If you if you didn't know you can get bottled liquid egg whites, it will blow your mind and the convenience is unreal. So I combine eggs and egg whites. So I have two whole eggs and then uh, 200 grams of egg whites. And all of a sudden I go from 16 grams of protein to like 36, right? And then yogurt, for instance, a lot of people are going to have maybe like, uh, they might have the Greek yogurts or they might have natural yogurt, which is going to be even lower than protein. So you might get anywhere, if you have a natural yogurt, you're only going to have like three grams of protein. But if you're going to have Greek yogurt, then you might get 15, which is great. Then you add a scoop of protein powder, uh, which has 20 grams. And all of a sudden you've got 35 grams of protein and a much better protein source. Another way you can reshape your relationship for your final meals is like rather than having an extra serving of sweet potato or potatoes or veg or pasta or rice, I'm really using the pasta <laughs> example here, you then have an extra serving of your protein source, right? So a spoonful of chicken turns into two spoonfuls of chicken. I don't know if anyone's ever been to a place where like a burrito place, like a mission burrito or something like that, where they will, or chipotle or something like that, where they will put your serving of chicken in and it's the weakest serving of chicken you've ever seen, right? It's a tiny little spoonful. So in those type of places, that's where you would say, okay, I'm gonna have a burrito bowl, but I'm gonna have 
double chicken and then you will hit a good amount of protein versus just having a, a bit where you just kind of scratch the surface. I thought I would want to touch on another topic, which is protein bars. A lot of people say, oh, protein bars are good sources of protein. And trust me, I was one of the biggest protein bar fans you could find. Like I probably, I probably tried hundreds, literally hundreds. Um, and I really enjoyed them. But as you become, I'd say more health conscious and more, especially when you diet as well, you get more awareness of what protein sources you should choose. You have to be a little bit more mindful about just picking what you eat. And I'm going to say that I don't favor bars that much anymore. A, because of the reason I just said, usually they have about 15 grams of protein in, 19 grams. They don't really hit that 20, 30 gram range. But even if they do, it's a lot of calories for the amount of food you get. Volume, again, is another topic that I could go in and spend 20 minutes talking about. But like, let's just give you an example. Take a typical protein bar. Between 180 to 250 calories, usually about 20 grams of protein, maybe less, um, 9 to 10 grams of fat, or probably 8 to 10 grams of fat, and about 20, 25 carbs. If we look at that as a protein bar, you've got like a 50 gram protein bar. Then on the other hand, that amount of calories, that amount of protein could be a whole plate of chicken, rice, vegetables, tofu, rice, vegetables, and you would be far more satiated from having a meal like that versus having a 50 gram protein bar. And then if we look at what goes into the protein bars as well, and you look at all the other ingredients, preservatives and sweeteners and all those type of things, which you know aren't really terrible in small doses, but you know, if you could favor having foods that genuinely have nutrients in them and whole food sources versus that, then I would definitely opt for the right-hand side. And the reason I would favor whey protein and protein shakes over protein bars is the fact that, again, if you look at the calorie content for a protein shake, you're looking at 100 calories, 20 to 25 grams of protein. So that's a quick note on that. I'm not against them, but they wouldn't be, you know, number one choice, okay? So I wouldn't factor them into your day every single day. And now the final thing I want to talk about is being vegan or vegetarian. So the challenge with being a vegan and vegetarian is most of your protein sources include fats and carbs. This isn't necessarily a bad thing, but if you are on a calorie-restricted diet where, you know, carbs and fats are a little on the lower side, then it's going to be hard to hit a higher protein amount without them coming alongside, right? So this is where you have to be a little bit more mindful. This might be where you want to use things like beans and lentils, but you've got to bear in mind that maybe per serving of lentils, for instance, you're going to have 14 grams of protein, but you're also going to have that 25, 26 grams of carbs. So whereas someone who's not um, a vegan could would have chicken and rice, you might just be having lentils because you've already got your carbohydrates covered from the lentils itself, if you see what I mean. Um, so you probably have to skip out on your protein source if you're having, um, your carb source, sorry, if you're having lentils, beans, chickpeas, and all those type of things. But a couple of good options, vegans, vegetarians, that I would usually place in my clients' meal plans or their, their nutrition uh, recommendations would be black bean spaghetti. If you've ever come across this, this could be a really, really good option. Edamame beans is another one that probably people don't think of that much. They come with a little bit of fat, a little bit of carbs, but a good amount of protein as well. Tofu and tempeh, pretty, you know, basic ones that you probably already know if you're a vegan slash vegetarian. Then obviously you're looking at your meat replacements. Obviously not all uh, corn products or 
you know, those meat-free products are vegan, but there are plenty out there that are as well. So that's, and obviously then plant-based protein powders as well. You know, I think I'm a big fan of someone having like, you know, let's say you're making a soup or you're making a chili or something like that. Putting in a scoop of pea protein powder into that can be a really good way to bump up the protein content. So that is the answer to question number two. And I hope that gives you some actionable ways to get more protein into your life. And you won't regret it. And once you start getting getting into it, it will soon become very, very easy. So the next one, I've saved the best till last year. So I hope you're ready for this. Elio, what are the key things that someone needs to follow through on their journey? Great, great question. And I am looking forward to answering this one. So I don't want to go down the route of consistency and commitment because it's boring. It's <laughs> something you've probably heard a thousand times. I mean, there's truth to it, right? All these cliche things and things we hear over and over again, there's a reason we hear them because of quite often they're valid. If you are consistent and committed for an extended period of time, you're quite often likely to get a result. But I want to talk to you today about something that will transform not only you know, potentially your physique, but your way of thinking as well. And I've been working on this myself for probably the past one to two years. And it's honestly been one of the best things, best mindset shifts I've ever had. And you'll see life through a completely different lens. And I can't tell you how valuable this has been for me. First one here is self-awareness and honesty. How often do you ask yourself questions? You know, you really question the way that you behave and act, your habits on a day-to-day basis, right? Do you ask yourself ever, could have I done better in X, Y, or Z? Maybe it's in work, maybe it's in your family, maybe it's in your relationship, maybe it is in your health and fitness journey. Do you ask yourself the questions like, do you ever stop and reflect, you pull out a journal, or even just think to yourself like, what can I do better in this area? Secondly, If you then do that and you have the reflections, do you follow through with actions? Do you try to do better? Do you you make the effort in your family life? Do you make the effort in your relationship? Do you push yourself to do better? Do you think of different strategies and systems you can put in place to help your health and wellness journey, right? Are you doing these things? Because there's a difference between intention and action. I always make this um, distinction between the two because a lot of us have nice thoughts But thoughts tend to not mean anything unless action precedes it. So intentions are great, but actions are probably going to serve you better. Or do you look towards external reasons? Are you going to say to me that social occasions are hard, work is hard, family life is hard? And the thing is, is that none of these are not true. You know, these are hard. Life is hard at times, right? But are you using this all as an excuse? to push you away from where you should genuinely be. Because sometimes it's easy, right? Let me take an example of if I wanted to be in the best ever shape. I could say, you know what, my business, you know, that's a big priority for me right now. I'm, I want to work hard for my clients. You know, it's important that I be on the laptop all day um, as opposed to spending time doing steps, right? That could be a perfectly legitimate reason. And I feel like a lot of us, we trick ourselves into giving ourselves permission not to follow through and not to give as much as we can. And we use these reasons, right? We kind of self-justify by saying work is more important, family is more important. But actually taking it all back, stripping it all back, is just allowing us and giving us a route. And this leads me on nicely to the second part, right? So first of all, are you, do you have the self-awareness to question yourself and take actions or are you moving towards 
blame and excuses and genuine reasons why you may not be doing something. And the next portion that comes in here, and this is the big one, this is one I was going to say transformed my way of thinking, is taking ownership. And I want to go into this in a lot more detail. So taking ownership for your situation. So you've probably heard uh, quite a lot recently, it's becoming more popular. I think people are moving towards a little bit more of a stoic philosophy with this COVID situation. You're hearing a lot of, you know, we can't change what happens to us, but we can change our response, right? And there's truth to that. But again, it's one of these cliche things that you probably don't want to hear. But I want to give you a really good example of taking ownership for all of your situations and every single thing in your life and how empowering it can be. Let's take an example, just so you get a little bit of context. You woke up late because your alarm didn't go off, right? You're now late for work. So you've got a couple of options here. You wake up, it's an hour after you should have been. So what do you do? Do you first blame it on your partner? Do you get angry for not setting an extra alarm? Do you blame the alarm clock itself? Do you blame the fact that you're so tired that you, you know, you would have woken up naturally if work wasn't pushing you so hard? Do you do those things? Perfectly, you know, perfectly reasonable responses. It's quite annoying to wake up late. Or do you then take ownership? Do you stop in your tracks and say, you know, what can I do with this situation now? Do I reschedule the meeting that I have first because I can no longer make that? Do I just grab a coffee instead of having breakfast and get on with my day? So you can see how already, if you blame your partner, if you blame the alarm clock, if you get angry at your work, you're still probably going to have to do those things anyway. You're probably still going to have to reschedule that meeting. You're probably still going to have to skip breakfast. But rather than, you know, going towards excuses and blame, by just looking for those ways that you can take action is so much more empowering. And this, this, is, what, this is only where it begins. This, this person's day gets way worse, right? So then you're on your way to work. Someone walks into you and spills coffee on your white shirt. So what do you do? Do you blame the person? Do you get angry and frustrated? Or do you, do you actually realize it's probably because you were rushing, because you were late in the first place, and do you just clean yourself up? You know, you breathe, you go woosa, and you head back for a different shirt. Because the thing is, if you go and shout at that person, get angry at that person, you're probably actually going to feel worse later in the day when you stop and reflect and realize, you know. And this is this is the challenge, right? As a lot of us probably behave in this manner, but we don't reflect and we don't. And we kind of continuously like this. And it builds up a lot of toxicity and negativity in the world. And the point I'm trying to make as well with this is quite often you have to then take these actions anyway by heading back for a different show. Okay, so it gets to the end of the day. You manage to catch up with yourself. You're about to train. But when you pick up your child from school, they're unwell. You know, they've got the flu. Let's hope they don't, you know, have anything worse, right? You, t you tend to your child because, you know, that's, that's what you do. You make sure they're okay. You get them to, into bed and they are, you know, they're up for a little while. They're tossing and turning. But eventually they settle down around 8, 8.30. You had your plan to work out once they got home from school. You know, you were going to train at 4 or 5 p.m. You missed your workout time. Uh, are you going to check in with me? Are you going to send me an email and say, I had a nightmare of the day. You know, I woke up late. Then my child was unwell. And you're going to miss out on potential progress. Or are you going to turn this around and say, hey, you know what? These are all legitimate reasons, but I want my goal. I want to make some progress. So I'm going to go get the session done regardless. You know, it might mean I have to get to bed a little bit later. It might not be the best session, but I'm committed I'm going to do this. Or are you going to be strategic and say, actually, you know what, let me look at tomorrow. What have I got going on tomorrow? Can I move my day around so I can squeeze in this workout and get the, ex the extra session in? You always have those choices, right? You have 
the automatic response, you know, the reactivity, or you have a way to stop and assess, take ownership, and then make a choice that genuinely serves you and serves the rest of the world too. You know, the lack of ownership and the blame, it never, ever serves you. It leads to frustration. It leads to anger. It leads to all of these things. And you can probably just see how a different approach to the same situation creates a completely different response and outcomes. Sometimes you will just have to accept what is. You know, the days aren't always going to go well. Sometimes you have to just be like, okay, it is what it is. And just focus on being better the next day. I'm not going to expect you to, you know, train at 8 p.m. on the premise of that happened on the day. But I also don't want you to use that as, as an excuse. Because if you call it one of those days, oh, it's just one of those days, it will be one of those days. Trust me. If you make a choice, you make the choices that serve you and you don't give in to the fact that, oh, it's just not my day, it will transform your world. It will transform your outlook on everything that happens and that could be super super power powerful you have a completely different perspective so coming full circle now i've given you the, all those examples if you can take ownership for every single part of your health and wellness journey you don't blame your your friends for peer pressuring you into the social occasions you don't blame your family for you know telling you that you don't look healthy and you should eat some food and you feel peer pressured into doing so you don't blame the fact that gyms aren't open because of covid restrictions you don't blame you know the lack of sleep because of someone was arguing in the other room if you don't blame those things and instead you just actually say, what can I do in this situation? What can I do to take ownership and complete the mission, complete the task and move towards where I want to be? You will have success on your process, on your journey. And not just those, but I feel like you will have a lot of success in many other endeavors in life as well. So I think that's a good place to finish off because I could go into this for a lot longer. So that wraps up today's question and today's podcast. I hope it was a valuable listen. I will look forward to talking with you next week. And that was the Simply Fit Podcast. I hope you gained a huge amount of value from today's episode. I feel inspired to improve your health and well-being. Be sure to search for Simply Fit in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcast from. And go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Also, if you like the episode, please don't forget to give it a five-star rating. I'd love to hear your feedback or any questions you have. So reach out to me on social media. You'll find me on Facebook and Instagram at Elliot Hassoun. Thank you so much for listening. And I look forward to talking with you all on the next one.